Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you something, people. We have a uh, we have a really good show today. My guest, you know, everyone knows her as ADA Casey Novak, which I want to talk about because she had another role where she was the guilty one in another episode when the whole Law & Order Special Victims Unit started. But she's also a stand-up comedian, and she has a uh, podcast called Hear, Say, with Diane Neal. And my guest is Diane Neal. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yes. And, uh, forgive me. I'm. I'm. I don't know if I. Uh, because I'm soaking wet. I just made it out of the ocean just in time. Just in time. Where are you at? What ocean were you in? I mean, Atlantic. Uh, Atlantic or? Technically not. No, it's it's the Gulf of Mexico. So it's not even like an ocean. It's the Gulf. But it's um. So I'm just on the west coast of Florida visiting my mom. And yeah, it's great. That's good. I'm but I've uh, been trying to do like a nice big ocean swim every morning, which is exhausting. You know, when you're trying to get back in shape and you're like, everything hurts. So it's, but it's a lot easier to at least swim every day. I uh, I hurt from actually just walking over 10,000 steps at my reunion this past weekend. <laughs> my wife keeps telling me, and she's, my wife goes to the gym twice a week, a trainer twice a week, and yoga once a week. She's like, yeah. Good go. for her. I know. And she's like, she's like, you have to go to the gym. And I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. And uh, I should, but oh well. Anyway, let's talk about, I want to talk about your podcast first. Tell me about this podcast, because I love the world of podcasting, and it's great that you started one, and uh, tell me about it. It's, it's a really, it's just, it's really fun. Like, I, you know, everyone in the world has a podcast. You know how it is. Like, you, you've actually been doing this longer than almost everybody else. You were, like, one of the early adopters, as it were. But um, it's funny, I, I did a, a friend's podcast called Judging Megan. She's like a friend of a friend. She's a lovely chick. And then her producer um, asked me, she's like, you know, have you ever thought, I'm like, yeah, I've thought about doing one, but I don't know how to do any of the technical stuff, you know, like that kind of, I'm like, and sometimes life is just too busy to be able to pick up something else new, right? Because it's, as you know, it, it takes a lot more than what people think. And um, he was like, well, I could do this because I've got this part down. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's amazing. And so we just started doing it. And um and it's mostly it's it's under the comedy it's under the comedy headline that's what we do and it's mostly just to entertain and amuse and provide information and you know like you have interesting people on and stuff that other people otherwise wouldn't know and uh it's been it's been really good fun we're we're figuring it out as we go along and so like this real like so <laughs> so some of it's it's a little more scattered than it could be but we're finally getting into like a groove of what we want to do and how we want to be and we've got some um, theme months so this month is like pride so we have some amazing guests coming on for pride and uh then i'm going to do the end of the world month so it's going to have some of my professors from like harvard kennedy school that are you know doomsday some other <laughs> doomsday friends of mine that are in government <laughs> you know you know we're gonna have like a nice stars and stripes month like all military people that we love so it's gonna be fun now do you find it easier for you to book guests because you are known i mean you know everyone people know you you have a big following on twitter and i think sometimes what happens is luckily for me booking guests I booked a lot of good guests, and I was lucky in the beginning when I was in L.A., I had a lot of character actors come in, you know, like the Spencer Gallants awesome. and Patrick Fabians, all those guys. Right. So they, they all run in their packs. So they would recommend me. But for some podcasters, it's hard for them to get guests. But what is, do you, are you aiming for other celebrities, or are you just aiming for, like you said, college professors who are just interesting people? 
you know, it's, that's that's the thing. Like, it's mostly like interesting people and people that I think can help someone. Like, I, I like I had my therapist on, who's like a really well-known relationship therapist. You know, who talked about things to look out for and red flags when you're in a new relationship. Because you know, all these people are starting to date now. Once COVID's over, like anyone that was single and kind of trapped. And um, I've had a ton of my just you know my friends that have like regular gigs. I've had friends that are comedians. But um, I haven't really tried to tap into like the whole celebrity. I'll let you know how it goes. I've just asked like a few like like big wig people, and so I'm. <laughs> we'll see. I'll let you know. I'll let you know, Coop. I'll let you know how it goes with booking people. So we'll see. It's it's hard because you know like because there are so many podcasts out there. I mean, you have amazing guests. Like, Thank you. yeah, it's it's truly incredible. But um, yeah, mostly I, I love people that. Like I want to have one of my neuroscience professors on from school. Like I said, I, I love having people that it's just something interesting and it's not all about entertainment and it's not just about like the business and like the fluff side of life. Cause I think it's really important, um, especially if people are entertained that they can get information that's really important, you know, like, like how much time is the breakout period for nuclear weapons development in Iran? I think that's pretty important. <laughs> If you can do it, forgive me, forgive me that like I, I ran in so fast. I forgot to turn notifications off. Forgive me. It's all right. I, I, have, I have no notifications on my phone. I go, I don't want any. I sit there. <laughs> I use some words with friends, notifications. And I'm like, you know what? It could keep binging. Cause you get these people who play like 10 games with you and you're like, Oh Christ. And I won't go to it for a day or two. And all of a sudden you're bing, bing. And I sit down with it. So you're like, yeah. Comedy, okay, because my background stand-up comedy. I I was a film. Yeah, I was a, I was a film. I was going to ask you. Tell me, tell me all. Tell, um, tell me all about you and how you got into this. Well, no, I was a comic from '88. I was a touring comic up and down the East Coast. I was a Philly comic, and then I wow. moved to LA. And I just started a podcast. No one was doing it. It was an internet radio show, and I That's just awesome. started trying to get guests. And I had like you know an old friend, Paul F. Tompkins, was one of my first guests. You know, very funny comedian. And I just pulled from that. So I want to hear you about you and comedy, though, because I saw on your Twitter you're doing stand-up comedy, but your background, you didn't start out as a stand-up comic. You started out as a model. Yeah, which is ridiculous. And then, uh, which is, which is like, I was the nerdiest kid in the world, and it was kind of crazy that I started modeling anyway. And, uh, and you know, it, <laughs> models are an interesting bunch. <laughs> it was one of those where you'd be like, hey, where are you from? And they'd answer yes. And you're like, that's no, no, there's got to be a definitive answer to that. I'm guessing Dallas. Um, but yeah, no, so I would get I get really bored. So, you know, it was really like it was really fun. Like I loved I loved getting to go around the world and see everything but you were usually always alone you know what i mean like i'd be going to museums and seeing architecture and everything like all the sites but like like a direct quote from southern models like i'm here to work i'm not here to see things i'm here to work you know I'm like what are, you, what are you doing like so let's see stuff too like i don't it doesn't have to be binary it doesn't have to be one or the other so um i started doing stand-up when i was a model and it was uh it was interesting because i i loved it because it was one of those places where you can't do this anymore, but you could say anything in the world. And it's been obviously tempered over the decades. And and then um, when I started acting and then I was on shows, I could never I could never book a gig. So and I don't know if you, you remember this, the way pilot season used to work, that the dramas would book first and then the comedies. So I would have like a drama pilot, like in first, second and third position. And I'd never even make it to like the comedy show auditions. 
So, um, and so then when, when I finished SVU, I started doing comedy again and then like booked another gig. So then I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, one of my buddies, I don't know if you know who Tammy Pescatelli is, really funny comic. She did my show like six years ago. Oh, you go. okay, good. So I love Tammy. So T- Tammy and I were talking and she's like, out of the blue, she asked me, hey, you want to, do you want to open for me? Like some gig that was coming up like earlier this year. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I pulled out of my butt, just, yes. Yes, I'll do it. And so then just wrote, started writing a set and, and then just been doing it since. So this is just since the beginning of the year. And, and I, it, forgot, I forgot how much fun it is. It really comes back to you. I had not done a show in two and a half years and my friend Joe Matarese was playing a show. We're both from the same hometown. So yeah. Joe said, you want to do it? And I said, yeah. And uh, I did, I had 20 minutes and I did like 17 of new stuff. And I figured it's going to come back because I did it so much when I was younger. And, and the same thing happens to me though. I go on, I have a great set. And I'm not one of those comics who go, well, I killed and no one laughs. I really had a good set. I got like three <laughs> applause breaks. And I get home and I have a glass of wine. And I'm like, yeah, I should start performing again. I wake up the next morning and I go, oh, screw that. I'm not driving like 45 miles or, you know, trying to sit around an open mic. But it was good when I got on. But since you're in New York, I mean, you must have access, you have access to a lot of stage time. Yeah, like really luckily. And and um, when I started reaching back out, so like Stand Up New York is like my home club. And like when I reached out to Donnie and said, the own, you know, they everyone's been like so incredibly nice about like saying, yeah, we've got, you know, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. It's hard because like some of my stuff is like a, like, like a one joke that lasts like 30 minutes, you know, so like, I'm trying to like figure it all out again, you know, okay, can I do shorter sets? Can I do this? Can I do that? What can I, where can I put bits and pieces? But, um, but yeah, it has been, it has been really fun. The thing I find the most annoying about it though is, uh, the only thing I find really annoying is what started again is everybody telling me is like, you know, what would be a really funny joke. <laughs> That's the worst. You get that. That will go on forever. And you're just like, what? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> now, let me, let me ask you something. Because, well, you know, you're friends with Tommy. Tommy's funny. Very, very funny. Very established. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed, you know, and it's with actors and comics, too. People who are established are very cool. They're very supportive. But for you, do you have any of the, like, the younger comics who are like, oh, she's only getting the spot because she was on TV? Because that shit oh, always totally. happens. And then how do you oh, totally. do, how do you deal with that? Because it must piss you off because it's like, no, I'm still, I'm out here. I'm not on TV anymore. It helps me get in the door. But if I get in the door and I suck, they're going to say, go back to TV. So how do you handle right. that as a performer? How do you deal with that? You know what? I just try and be really nice to everyone. And then, and also like supportive and like go see other people's shows without asking for stage time. And then if, if, if there's a, you know, an opportunity, I, if I've been given a lot of time and I can give someone else like five or 10 minutes, like I do. Cause I, you know, why not? So that's, that's mostly how it is. But I, I have to say like the thing that's been really interesting about now that's so much better is that that in between period, like 10 years ago when I was back going, you know, I, you, where you go like from club to club to club to club, you know, you do like four or five, you know, every Thursday to Sunday night, right? Like just keep going like crazy. Um, the audience, it, they don't really want to be with you as much, right? Because they're like, they're like, ah, especially as a woman, they're like, whatever, she's rich, she's famous, she's on TV, you know, like, she's pretty, we don't, wow. It's so much fun being fat. Because now people are like, oh, she's fat. <laughs> well, you know, it's also like, that, <laughs> we, can, we can enjoy her a little more as well, comedy. I, 
I bet you ran into also Marilyn Rushkoff had said how people would always think she was Chloe from 24. And she's like, no, I'm a comic. So people probably are thrown off going, oh, she's going to do some lawyer spiel. Because unfortunately, people sometimes probably do think you're a lawyer. And, and oh, that's no, but they, they do. And even like casting, like, I, I, I'll never forget, like, the best was, like, I remember going to this audition in L.A. This was like 10, 10 years ago. And I was headlining at the Laugh Factory that night right, on Sunset. And it was so funny. They're like, I don't know if you can be funny. Like, they actually said it to my face. I'm like, how'd you get to work today? How'd you drive here? Did you drive? Did you go down Laurel? That's right. Did you see the, did you see the marquee of the Laugh Factory? I'm like, did you see that? Stupid. But like, no, a lot of people. And then my, one of the craziest things is that almost, almost inevitably, someone will yell out at some point, usually right when I get on stage, rape. And I'm like, are you serious? Because, you know, it was a show about sex crimes, right? That's for you. That's what it is. And you just like... <laughs> I'm like, are you offering? You threatening? Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so, how did this whole career start? I mean, the modeling. How did you get in modeling? Like, were you an actor kid, or because you know, I mean, what was you? No, what, was I, your, what was your high school like? You said you were geeky earlier, but tell me about your high school. Oh no, no, I'm I'm like a science nerd. Um, so I went to high school really young because I started school early and then I and then I skipped a grade. So, um, and when I started high school, I was I was four foot ten, so that was fun. They called me pygmy. No, I was one of those kids that was like put in lockers, like put in garbage. Like nobody talked to me unless they wanted their homework done. Um, hated the theater kids. So my older sister was like one of those theater geeks. And so like people are always like walking around and singing and like, who's going to play Miss Hannigan? You know, and everyone's freaking out about it. And I'm just like, oh, I hate real you quick, all so much. Real quick, I remember I graduated high school in 82 and our theater guys, I had nothing to do with theater. And uh, our theater guys back then were wearing leg warmers. And no one ever saw, like, dudes wearing <laughs> leg warmers. And I think back, and I'm like, you know, not one of these people who actually went into acting. You know, now they, they dabble. But I'm like, I laugh because I was a, I, I just, I never understood the theater people. But with you're right. It's so funny. You're, it's always like they're breaking down a musical. It's like, I have oh attention. Oh, my gosh. It's... Like, crazy. Yeah. And they would always have, like, cast parties at our house. And I would just, like, be hiding in my closet in my bedroom. Just like, hey, these guys, like, writing treatises. You know, in the state of the American high school educational system. Oh, so mad. Um, but uh, I ended up, so I ended up going to college like a few weeks after I was 16. And my parents sent me to be with my older sister, the one that was theatery. And because they were worried that I was so young. And she, she's gorgeous. She's like if Julia Roberts and Cindy Crawford had a baby. Like we look nothing alike. It's, it's truly shocking. And she was a model. And without telling me she entered me into this modeling contest and then before I knew it and I think it's because not because I was especially pretty but I was starting to get tall and very pale and very very thin and and the next thing I knew you know I was living around the world and doing that and then New York was my home and by the time I was like 18 19 and it was it was wild and so like I said though it was it got um not the travel and not like the adventure and stuff, but it would get pretty boring. And then sometimes, you know, it's also, it's fashion is ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, when you're, especially when you're a high level fashion person and you're doing like Chanel shows and things like that, and like, you know, an outfit you're wearing is half a million dollars, you know, 250, like something that could, that could feed an entire nation for like a year. Like it's just, it's just ludicrous. And, and everyone's taking it so seriously. Not that it's not, it's not that it doesn't have its place, but it's not the most important thing in the world. Right. And you're not, it's not brain surgery. You're not saving lives and there's a lot of pollution involved and stuff. And so, you know, I found a lot of it really, as much as, as much as I appreciate it, I get really bored and really lonely. 
And so I started doing comedy and then I would take off and then, and go to school for like a semester here and there. Like, so I'd always just bail, like, and just like, I'm going to school. I'm like, ah, I can't take it anymore. I gotta, I gotta, gotta feed my brain. And one semester I, uh, I was already dating and living with my, my husband and and I went, I was going abroad for uh, some biblical archaeology and I was in Israel and Egypt. And it wasn't as fun as watching Indiana Jones because you're not allowed to steal anything when you're really doing it. I mean, it was great. It was amazing, but it was, it's, not, it's, not, it's not exactly the same. It's still amazing. Not exactly the same. And when you're wearing like Muslim friendly clo- clothing, you know, it gets very hot, especially when you're there in like spring semester, it's just roasting. Uh, and, and I got back and, and Marcus, my husband, had, had gotten a pamphlet for Atlantic Theater Company acting school. And it was on the dining room table. And it was just down the street from our apartment in Chelsea. And the, the motto for Atlantic is, use your will, learn to act. It wasn't like one of those things where you have to go and audition. They're just like, look, it's like any skill. You learn how to do it. And so I was like, you know what? I, let me just try this. For, let me just see what it's like. I'll just go. And like the first day we we're doing, I don't know how many acting classes you've ever taken, but like, he, you know, those repetition exercises, like you're wearing thick rim glasses, you're wearing thick, you know, it's just like back and forth. It's like, like people get paid for this. This is amazing. I'm like, sign me up. I'm like, this is crazy. And, and, and that was it. And I, I, I started and, man, did I hoof it, you know, just like some, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of auditions and callbacks. And, you know, you're just trying and so many bad commercials. And when did you first start booking commercials? I started booking commercials when I was a model. So like, um, they would have in the modeling agency, usually someone from like a legitimate, you know, from, from like an acting agency that would just do commercial stuff because, you know, they always need models for commercials. The problem is a lot of the models are foreign and so they couldn't hire them. So they need, because they need someone to speak English to go, at night, I use always because it protects better when I'm laying down. You know, like that kind of thing, right? <laughs> because they can't have someone that can't speak English doing this or that is, is foreign, right? They can't legally hire them. So I did a zillion, I think when I started theater school, I, I'm not kidding, it, like not hyperbole. I think I had 20 national network commercials running, like it was nuts. And, um, and then I started doing like regular, like first, you know, you start like on soap jobs because nobody wanted to hire, like I couldn't get like a legitimate agent to save my life. And so the commercial agents, oh God, I can't even remember what agency that was that had, that had that little division, J. Michael Bloom, which turned into innovative, I think they, um, so I would ask like the legitimate agents, I'm like, how do I, what can I do? And they're like, you know, oh, you went to theater school? Great. Uh, now do some kind of like play, right? So I, I got into the Women's Shakespeare Company and I played Ophelia. None of them came to see it. And then I'm like, all right, well, what can I do? You guys come, well, can you maybe do something else? So I wrote and directed a play like Atlantic and nobody came to see it, right? Because like, you know, you try and try and, and you just busting it. I couldn't get anyone to send me on a legitimate audition. And then finally I had my first legitimate audition, which was for the show called a hundred center street that Sydney Lamette was doing. And I went to the audition 
And it was the first, like, you know, when you're, like, I didn't even know how to audition. I was freaking out. Like, it was crazy. Because it was the first one I'd ever done. And they don't teach you any of that really practical they, stuff. They, they never tell school. you, like, I had a commercial audition. And they're like, slate. And I'm like, and they go, turn. And they're like, turn left and say your name. But you don't know that. Yeah. Well, I didn't really take acting classes. I just had gotten lucky to get agents because I was bald and I had a lazy eye. So that helps you get a commercial <laughs> agent. But I I was sitting there and I had no idea what they're talking about. And I'm, they're like, okay, turn. And you're like, oh, all right. But I mean, it's, yeah, you don't, because you're right. You went to school, but they don't tell you, oh, here's an audition. They don't, you probably learn later. Like, oh, here's your mark. You know, here's Oh, yeah, this. no. So like all the kids, like on SVU, like when we'd have all those kids that had just graduated from like Tish at NYU, you know what I mean? That had no idea. I'm like, dude. This is your mark. This is what a banana is. This is what a martini is. This is the Abby Singer. You know, like explaining every any question you have, just what's ask a, me. What's a banana? I know martini shots the last shot, but what's a banana? So a banana is like so. If you're going around a corner in a shot, right, you have to swing really wide so that the camera takes like can you know because normally if you're just walking, you just go like hey. But you got to swing really wide like that in a banana shape so that, you know, the camera has time to, like, follow you around the corner, especially if it's, like, steady cam shot and they're, you know, the operator's going backwards. So you got a banana around. Like, you got to do the long banana. And, you know, just those little things. Like, you know, if you're doing a walk and talk, you got to talk really fast. you got to walk really slow. Like, way slower than normal. <laughs> and, like, but you got to talk a lot faster than normal, too. And, you know, when you're you're doing a two shot, you have to be way closer than you would normally be in real life. Like you have to be uncomfortably close to the other person. And then that's what looks normal on, on screen. So, you know, all those little things. Um, Cindy, and you know, sometimes- Cindy like, I'll, I'll, oh, we're, yeah. oh, You're talking about oh, Cindy Cindy Lamette. So um, left out audition. And then all of a sudden, someone from like William Morris called my house, someone from Endeavor, someone like, I didn't get the job, but Cindy Lamette had called everyone he knew in the business and told them to take me as a client. It was the greatest thing anyone, it was the greatest gift. Like I'll always be grateful to my sister for entering me in that random modeling contest because it got to see planet earth and do like the craziest stuff and the most fun stuff all around the world. And then Cindy Lamette making that, you know, these phone calls changed everything. And so I started meeting with all these um, different agents and managers. And I didn't even know how to pick because I didn't know anybody in the business. You know, like anybody. You know, I grew up in Littleton, Colorado. Like, ah. So there's no, there's no way to like, how do you pick? Like, and so I picked my agent because he was at Gersh because he was a hilarious dorky guy who wore a cape. And I was like, <laughs> seems right. I, lo I love Stephen Hirsch, where well, he's not my agent anymore, but like, man, I, I loved him. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I picked my manager who I was just texting with this morning. He's not, he hasn't been my manager in like 10 years. He left the business, but um, I picked them because I liked their carpet. They had cheetah print carpet. <laughs> Seriously, I, I had like no way, other way to pick. And then I just started auditioning and auditioning and auditioning and auditioning. And, you know, the next thing you know, you do a bunch of pilots, none of them go. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a slog. I don't think people I don't think people even realize like like the the year that I booked SVU, I, I remember going back to my because this was you know my appointment book you know where you'd write an appointment book, and I started working on SVU I think in maybe July of that year. 
by the time I booked SVU, I'd already been over 500 auditions and callbacks and stuff, and I'd shot three pilots. But, like, you know, it was... but I got to tell you this, and I, I, and that's the same, a lot of actors yeah. have the same story where they, pilots after pilots after pilots. I mean, Steve, yeah. Stephen Weber's done tons of pilots. And he's, I love Stephen Weber. He's done tons of, he's, he's a great guest. You should get him on your show. He's an amazing guest. He's so entertaining. But yeah, I always said that actors, though, like, you know, you said, oh, I, you know, I got three pilots after five, but that's so much more than anybody else gets. Like, you, you got a pilot. And I know actors, it's hard because you get excited, like, if this pilot gets picked up, my life's going to change. But I always laugh, like, like you and other actors are, like, like bummed that you booked three pilots. But for other people, be like, holy crap, she booked three pilots. I, I, I didn't even get a guest star or a recurring. Yeah, no, no, it's crazy. Well, and and it, it's all, like, the, the content. Like, right now, I'd kill for one pilot. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's everything shifts. And it's, it was wild, because at the time, I didn't know. I just thought that's how it was. And that's what it was for everybody else. I was like, oh, okay. And I remember the first pilot that I did, which was so, it was like really badly timed. <laughs> it was called the American Embassy, and we filmed in London, which was so much fun. And the the pilot episode ended with a terrorist. By the way, this is in the year two thousand. A terrorist bombing of the embassy, and but the pilot wasn't coming out until like two thousand one. Like it was, you know, it was held over, and it was just like, oh, that's. After nine eleven, like that's that's not that's not going anywhere. But they actually fired me. They picked up the show and they fired me, and uh, and re- replaced me with uh, I can't even remember her name. Great actress, but um, Asian American woman, amazing. But I was like, I thought not getting picked up with the show was like the end of my career. I remember talking to my agent. I'm like, is this when you drop me, man? Is this how it ends? Like, and he's like, no. Like, you also did three other pilots. You know, like, <laughs> calm down. I was like, oh, yeah. it's the end. It's never happening. Of the, yeah. of the three other pilots you shot, did you think that anyone would get picked up? Because once again, I've talked to people who go, well, people, these people are involved and these people are involved. There's like, no way this is not getting picked up. Were any of them that you shot that you said, okay, this is really, really good and this is going to get picked up? No, like, uh, because I had, I, I had so little um, exposure, because I was always in New York, too. So I had like so little exposure to like, you know, the LA side of the business where like all the decisions are made and things like that. Like, I didn't know what the hell anyone at any network is looking for. Like, I didn't know any of that stuff. Like, I was like, eh. um, and by like my my third or fourth pilot season, like, like 2003, when I started as the year I started SVU, the my pilot in first position was amazing it was one of those that i was like this is this is so gonna go while we're filming it it was uh uh javier grillo marswatch like one of the greatest like show runners and producers of all time who based it we had like joel silver was one of the producers you know who's super hot at the time we filmed in it was based on a philip k dick like it was the coolest we, we shot at sid fox australia we got to use everything. It was before the third Matrix movie had come out. So we got to use, so the people that did my outfits did the Matrix. It was like futuristic. It was so cool. Um, Russell Crowe's best friend was my leading man. Like it was, we had like, it was crazy. I was like, of course this is going to get picked up. And then I remember when we got a copy of the pilot, my manager sat down and I wa- we watched it and we were like, oh yeah, that's not going anywhere at all. 
because if there was it was such counter programming there was nothing there was no lost on tv there was nothing like sci-fi there was nothing futuristic there was nothing far out we're like yeah, that's not getting picked up and it didn't it totally didn't but it was for nbc and so then then um when stephanie march decided to leave svu they were like hey do you want to come and audition to and i i'm not i i i was like i'd never seen I never watched procedurals. I didn't know anything about it. When I first saw the script, I thought her name was Ada Novak. I didn't realize it was ADA, even though my dad was a federal attorney. I was like, I was like, what? My, I remember my dad going like, no, it's ADA. That's assistant. I was like, oh, right. Okay, that makes way more sense. I was like, idiot. Because <laughs> they never said her first name. They just wrote Ada Novak. Right? I was like, okay. I was like, all right. And I'm like 24. So I'm like, I sure, it sounds good. And I remember going in for the audition, which was easily one of those where I was like, okay, that when you leave and you're like, I'm just going to quit the business. Like that was the worst. Like that, that's, I stunk. Like I, I, could I, did I leave fumes behind me of stinkitude? Like it was so grotesque and you just leave with such self-loathing and hatred. And I remember like walking, walking back home, like forever through the city. And like, I took my heels off and I was just walking barefoot and just like that soft sobbing where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and and I didn't hear anything for weeks and you know how it is like if you don't hear anything like you didn't get the job right like that's it people and you know people outside the business always ask like how did it go and I'm like ah, I don't know you know like even to this day I'm like I have no idea I have no idea how it went because every time I think I get it and I nailed it I don't get the job and anytime I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened I get the job I, I don't know and then and uh and I got a call a few weeks later asking if I wanted the job. And and it was a huge pay cut from what I was getting for pilots and stuff like that. Um, like a massive pay cut. But it was on the air. It was in my hometown in the city. So I wouldn't have to go to L.A. or anything. And I, and I never really enjoyed L.A. like at all. Just not not a good fit for me. And um, and I was so excited. And I was like, yeah, Absolutely. And it was one of those things that my contract was like a seven episode contract with a seven year edition, right? Like it was like, and, and so when we were doing, when I started and, and we were doing like all the cast photos and stuff before the season began, like they'd be like, okay, Diane, now step out. Like just in case it didn't work out, like they'd get the cast without me. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was, and, and everyone was, you know, Marishka was like the next youngest person on set and she's 15 years older than I am. So, you know, she was like 40 and I'm like 24, 25 and, and uh, with a lot of energy. And I was like super excited <laughs> and I'm sure incredibly annoying, <laughs> incredibly annoying. So you get the role and then what happens? I mean, you're only for seven episodes. But how does how does it start working out? So it's, where, it where, starts, were you in an episode though where you played someone guilty? Yeah. So one of my first guest starring spots, uh, my first guest starring parts a couple of years earlier, um, I got hired at like 22 to play like a finance chief who was into autoerotic asphyxiation. And so like that, I was like, that was the first job where I'm like, what are marks? What's happening? Like, I don't know. Luckily, like one of the other lady rapist um was a it was a great actress named Paige turco who kind of walked me through everything so i wouldn't be just like a total disaster but i'll never forget like that guest starring in that episode my first scene that was being filmed and and the director of that amazing dude named gus macros constantine macros who were still buddies 
he was <laughs> I had to like I don't know why why they booked this at like rush hour like this this scene it was on like 57th and 5th um which is a very busy part of the city if you guys don't know anything about Manhattan it's like a crazy busy part of the city especially at like rush hour and I was supposed to walk out of this building like a good 30 40 feet and meet like Munch and Finn so like Ice-T and, and Richard Belzer and you're so nervous, right? Because it's the first time I've ever done anything, really. And I'm like, um, um. But every time I'd get out the door and I'd almost get to them, somebody will, yo, ice! And they're like, cut. So it's, I'm, we're on take like 30 before I even get a word out. So I'm just getting progressively more nervous. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I'll never forget after the first take where we actually got to say words. <laughs> and Gus pulling me aside, he's like, uh, do you think, you think you could act like human? <laughs> I was like, yes. I'm sorry. I'm really nervous right now. And it's just getting worse. As I, as I haven't been able like, to a hundred times out the door. I'm freaking out. So, and I always like, the great part is like, I always remembered that too. Like when, whenever, whenever I've been lucky enough to like star and stuff and be anyone that had like one line, I'm like, I'm here for you. I know it's terrible because you've been sitting around all damn day waiting to do this one friggin' line. I know, it, which makes it just so much worse than if you're talking all day in every scene or like, you need anything? I'm like, I'm getting paid no matter what. It takes us one take. It takes us a hundred takes. I don't care. Like, just so you know, like just to, you know, to, to kind of ease that because I remember that feeling so intensely. But um, but almost every other character in like the Law and Order universe, like Kelly Giddish was played like some sort of criminal victim a few years before she was hired as a cop, you know, Apatha from the, the mothership was, she played like the mother of a victim in the Law and Order movie. Like, you know, everybody had played something somewhere it's else. It's crazy because, you know, you talk to a lot of actors who have had like, through the years, have like three different roles on different Law and Orders, but they don't do that anymore. You know, they don't, you don't see no. people, it's like something, and it's so funny because it's like, nothing has really changed. I mean, in fact, those shows were getting more viewers then because there wasn't so much on cable. Right. So people, yeah. and there's only like geeks like me that I can remember the whole cast of Barney Miller. I mean, that's just me. I'm, I'm odd like that. But people don't really recognize. I mean, I recognize it because my wife's an assault uh, survivor. She's an advocate. And so, but she's always watched that show. And then when we were watching one time, we're like, because you know, it's a rerun, you can watch it. Like, I mean, I used to fly to visit her from LA. And I swear to God, I would, I would take, the Virgin used to fly from Philly, LA to Philly. Yes. I would take the red eye. And I would get on it, and as I'm flying, I'd fall asleep, and like Law and Order Criminal Tent would be on, and then I'd wake up <laughs> at like three in the morning, and Law and Order SVU would be on. So it was right. on all the time. So you're going to see people, but it's funny that the people don't really care. Like I, I know because I follow TV, but I remember seeing you, and I'm like, wait a second. I said, she's that's, wait, that's no great. I said, I said, I said <laughs> she really turned her life around. She jail does rehabilitation, but. So, so good you, for you, kid. So, yeah. so when you did it, so so when you start the first season as ADA, as, yeah. And now, were you nervous at all? Because it, how many? It was a few seasons in, so I've always heard that show's been a very well-oiled machine. So, what was it like? Yeah, was I it? was nervous, and, and like I, I thought things like I thought everyone would hang out together and be buddies, and we're all in this together. Like, let's jump in the fray, you know, and it. No, you know, they're way older. They've got kids and lives, you know, things like that. And I'm like, hey, what are we doing tonight, guys? You know, just like full of beans. Um, 
full of energy. So most of like, almost, I was the same age as like most of the PAs. So like, we're all still friends because <laughs> we're all still really good friends. But it's, um, it was, it was the most fun. It was the most fun. And once you get over like the in- intimidation and everything like that, you it's the most fun that you could have. And it was also the greatest lesson that don't take any of it too seriously because you know we would have these amazing guest actors who who had won like emmys oscar tonys things like that you know 10 years before who who were excited about playing a rapist for top of show which is which you know for people listening that means it's kind of like top of show it's like the the union minimum for like a guest star you know, so like, you know, a few thousand bucks kind of thing, whatever it was back in the day. Um, not what they were getting when they were, you know, the star on, a, on like a huge sitcom or something like that. And and it was so it was great. And they were all so fascinating and so, so wise and had so much advice. And it really taught me how to just be, you know, it's, it's just a job. Like I was, I'm so grateful for that. Because I've seen it, you know, you've probably seen it too. Like I always call it people that get excited about themselves. You know, they start taking it a little too, you know, they think it it, it has something to do with their self-worth or their value as a human being just because they're, they can be picked out of a lineup, you know, they're recognizable in some sort of way. And this was, it was such a great lesson and getting to learn from all these people. Like it was, it was nuts. Like I've gotten to work with everyone from like, like Alfred Molina to Robin Williams and Beverly D'Angelo to Angela Lansbury. You know, like, what, what was that like? I, I heard because I always heard she was back when Murder She Wrote was on. She always yeah. made sure that the guest stars got a shitload of money. Like she loved actors. They always said, you know, she worked in a contract where a guest star would get a fair amount. Because I know people who had like their first role in that show. What was it like with you at, working with her? She she was incredible. She had a broken wrist at the time, and she was you know already like in her eighties and she was on point she knew her lines she knew her marks she knew everything she was talk about well-oiled machine she was such a pro it was it was it was astounding to watch and and that was like the great thing too because we got a lot of the theater actors you know in new york as well too these people who it's like a team effort you know it's not like i'm so special and this and that and you'd really notice the difference between like guest stars they'd fly in from la <laughs> and like you know some of these great New York actors who were theater people, like Ned Eisenberg, who died recently, which is such a bummer. Like he he was spectacular. And you'd always get to like, um, and because I didn't come from the world of like knowing who any of these people were, it was great. Like I could talk to them and find out everything, everything about them. Like, you know, like Ned Eisenberg taught me how to do soft shoe, which was incredibly fun. Betty Buckley, who, who I still absolutely adore and keep in contact with, you know, I mean, because I was not into, I'm like, you you were in musical theater? <laughs> She's like one of the most famous, like, musical theater actresses, like, of all time. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, can you teach me how to sing? You know, like, it, it was, it was, it was amazing. And we shot, so all the years I was on, we shot in the swamplands of New Jersey on the other side of the Lincoln Tunnel. Um, in an old, I think it was a dog food factory that they kind of, because there were all these, like, it was, uh, so you weren't, and there were no shows that really, there were no other shows really in New York at the time. There was like SNL and that was, that was, and the Law and Orders and that was kind of it. 
So you're so outside of that industry or like where you're celebrated or you think you're fancy because you're, you're not at like a big studio, you know, walking around. You're not a set. You don't meet any of the executives. You, people are blowing sunshine up your butt. You know, you're in a stink factory, you know, in, in a Jersey swamp. And it was uh, it was it was like the greatest. And I, I loved all the guest stars. And our set could be very, very tough at times. I know, especially for guest stars. And um, I set up a little, I, I don't drink, but I set up a little bar in my, my <laughs> like for every like talk show I did, you know, they give you like gift baskets full of like different liquors. So I could set up a bar. And if I ever heard like a guest star crying, I'd be like, I'd always tell like the PAs the second, I'd be like put them, put them next to me, you know? And if I heard him crying, it's not going to do. I'm like, hey, it's okay. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to come on over. You know, do you want to run lines? You know, is there anything I can do to make it easier for you? Um, and it just, it was just, uh, yeah. But there was a lot of stuff that, like, that I just didn't understand because I still do. Sometimes I still don't understand it. You know how like people would bitch about like the days about how long they were, right? So one day I calculated how much time we were waiting for people to come out of their dressing rooms. I thought I was being helpful, and I was like, "Hey guys, um, it took everyone, you know, like got the cast together, right? Like everyone's like again in their forties to sixties, and I'm like this twenty-five year old. Like I was like, we wasted three hours and forty-six minutes, you know." yesterday just waiting for people to come in the dressing rooms if you're really worried about getting home on time and everyone's like oh screw you kid you know i was like you know i was like i thought it was being helpful you know like i didn't know what was uh christopher maloney like because he's so intense but then i i see him on harold and kumar's one movie like totally made up oh my, like oh what, my was, what was he like because he seems like he's funny because someone who gets that so intense has to do something to blow off their smoke. <laughs> he's, he's, he was, he used to terrify me. He was so intense when I started. And he's, but he, he does have that capacity to be hilarious, right? And um, I'm an idiot and, and a bit of a, a jokester. So, so like the whole first six months um, I was at SVU. I, I don't know if you ever saw Wet Hot American Summer. Great film. And Maloney plays this Vietnam vet uh, who's the camp chef and his best friend is an open can of mixed vegetables that talks to him. So every day I'd come to set, I'd bring a new can of mixed vegetables, I'd open it and I'd leave it somewhere, like in the squad room, you know, wherever they were like. And after like six months, he's like, who keeps doing like the family, like livid, right? <laughs> and, and I'm like, um, I, I do. And he's like, why? <laughs> it's like, um, wet hot American summer, dude. And he's like, how old are you? <laughs> I was like, this, I've been there ever, like working with them 18 hours a day for six months at this point, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, Chris. Uh, I think I just turned 25. I'm like, I'm 25. He's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> and like, and then, and then once he realized, like he started becoming, he was so funny. So I'd make him do like freak show that character from Harrod and Kumar. I'm like, Randy, what? Huh? some math is everywhere. You know, he'd start like playing with me and you know, it, it, it just, but I remember it took like, he was so intense. You know, we'd be, we'd be, if it was a scene with like the two of us, and and I'd just be waiting for the scene to start. And, you know, he'd be like, don't look at me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like, you know, I'm like, oh, my God. It was so scary. <laughs> it was so scary. But 
you know, part of that was just me not realizing that, um, yeah, everyone's got their process. And that took me a while, too, to figure out. Because, you know, I, I could just be dorking around and messing around. And someone would say, action. And I'd be like, where were you Tuesday? You know, like, not a problem. And you have to, it took me a while to realize, okay, not everybody's like that. Everyone has to, like, work into it in their own way. And and so you start getting really familiar with people's different, like, warm-up methods and, and what they need to be in the scene. Sometimes they just need absolute silence or they need to be alone. They need to listen to music. You know, whatever it is. And you just uh, stay out of their way or help if you can. But yeah, it was, uh, Maloney was, he was wild back then. He was so intense. He was so intense. He was so funny, but so intense. And then he would have these amazing parties. And then Marcus and I would always be the last like idiots to leave. Like always. Like I remember he and Sherman like kicking, we've been kicked out of Maloney's house like so many times. <laughs> like, like, so we just never leave. Uh, it was, uh, it was yeah it was it was wild and it, it was kind of you know it's fun to be there for all these people's like life moments you know like when Marishka started dating Peter her husband you know when she started having kids when Chris started having kids you know um Belzer's daughters you know getting married and yeah it's was, it was really fun to start being a part of of everybody's life and and seeing where things could go and learning not to take stuff seriously it was just really fun. And Ice, of course, was like the funniest. He just cracked me up endlessly. And he was always full of like the greatest advice, always. Now, what was it like for you? Because you're all of a sudden, people are recognizing you. It's As I said, that show is very watched. So, you know, people may have known you as a model, but your life must have been changing because people, you know, would know you as a lawyer. And I don't know if, I mean, did you ever, did, what was the reaction to you when you would go in public? Because... I mean, it's New York City. I know everyone's not really always looking up, but but what was it like for you? It was it was like the it was the weirdest. It, it was um, for the first like year, I kept thinking I had like spinach in my teeth, or I tucked like my skirt into my underpants. You know, like you don't understand what like because everyone starts looking at you. Everyone's just staring at you all the time, and and like in a very strange like. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're like, is something wrong? Do I have a booger? Like, what's going on? Like, it's it's such a weird, especially because when you're normal and you're from like a normal background and like normal people things. And even when I was a model, like no one recognized me. I always, you know, and I was always like, you have so much makeup on and, you know, no one really recognizes you. And nobody really follows models. You know, it was like the era of the super, but nobody really cares. And, and so it started getting, it started getting, it was like by second season, then it was like everywhere you went, you could go nowhere. And there's a really big difference too between, I've noticed between like my friends that are like movie stars, especially back then. And then people that are on TV, because like the movie stars, they were almost kind of like removed, you know, they're up on the silver screen and it's, they're inaccessible and they're different. But when you're in someone's like living room or bedroom um, in their house, like 24 hours a day, they think they, they think they know you. And because, you know, in some sense they do, you're one of their friends. They see you 24 seven. And it's, um, man, it was, it was, it was wild. I, I have to admit, like, I loved it because I love people, but like none of my girlfriends, no one wanted to go to the mall with me. They're like, Diana, just like, I need to have a short trip to the mall. Can you not come? And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like really? And they're like, yeah, I just have to pick up a pair of black pants. Like you can't come. Like it'll take hours, you know, because everybody comes up to you and, you have to get used to the the weird parts of like when people would talk to you like you could 
you could be at a funeral. <laughs> and you know, everyone's like, they're so excited. You know, you just like, it, it got very, it got very strange, but it was also really, really nice. It was like, everyone was a friend. And then you could bring so much like sunshine to people's lives. It was crazy. Like, and then the weird thing with me is people always recognize my voice. So if I was like in a drive through you know, ordering like Mickey D's, you know, whatever I was doing, they're like, oh my God, no, that, you know, I was like, yeah, hi. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm going to get two cheeseburger meal. <laughs> like, like, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But, um, so it was a wild thing. And it's been, it's, it's been really interesting. So like, and then you go from being, after spending, because then, you know, I was on NCIS, which had even more people watching it, like, globally, which was nuts. So, like, two of the most popular shows, like, globally of all time. People watching in every country. So, like, insane stuff would happen. Like, I'd be on a remote beach in Aruba where I've just driven a Jeep down a cliff, like, with my screaming friends in back, like, to, a, like, a, an isolated beach. I, I'm not kidding. This actually happened. There's a dude selling like waters and drinks like out of a cooler and we we're like how did he get here right like we had to come over like a mountain like how did he even get here and he's like oh my god Novak you have to come home with me and I'm like where's your home he's like seven miles past the ostrich farm I was like what I was like, I'm gonna hang out on the beach but we'll get some waters dude it, but it was like it, it didn't matter anywhere you went in the world like people would follow you into the bathroom it was just wild and then um and then, and then I had some stuff going on where uh, I vanished for not reasons of my own. And then COVID hit, and then I got really sick, and I and I put on weight, and all of a sudden, after twenty years, it vanished. No one recognized me, and it, there was like this kind of amazing freedom in it. And then also like, it's like a little bit of like, oh, I miss like brightening up people's days because you, you could like, and I always thought about that. Like if you just spend five minutes with like some of these kids and you ask them about their life and like what they're doing, like I thought like, wow, if, like I know I'm an idiot and a moron and not that special, but man, when I was young, if someone that I'd admired, you know, for whatever reason, even if it's just, you know, imaginary admire, cause they're on TV, had asked me questions about my life and what I was doing and my goals and dreams like what a difference that would have made so I, I miss doing that kind of stuff but um but then there's this kind of beauty and anonymity like like today it was like amazing like I went to the beach and I was just like you know got out in my swim like no nobody wrecking it was like amazing like you don't have to worry about it anymore because there's always that thing of of someone because people love people also there's something people really love to do which is they make themselves feel better by putting down someone they think is famous, right? Or fancy, or they love it. Like, so you, you get shit on constantly as well. And a lot of that is um, just people trying to feel good about themselves, you know? And so that part's gone too. So that's nice. <laughs> now, now how, are, how, how did lawyers react to you? Cause I always, I talked to, I talked to Delaney Williams. She was on uh, SVU as a, yeah. but then he played a cop in the wire and he said the cops really liked him when they saw him. They're like, Hey, it's a good, you know, you did a good representation. Did lawyers like ever come up to you and try to give you hints at a, you know, if you're out like, Oh yeah, you know, you should do this. Or, I mean, I wonder oh. how they would deal with it. Cause sometimes, you know, how some, some lawyers are just so full of themselves. You know, they're, they're, they wanted to be actors. Yeah. They're, they're theatrical in the club. How, Very, how, yeah. would, how, would, how would real life lawyers act to you? 
Well, the, the main lawyer in my life, my dad, who passed away recently, he uh, he was hilarious. So dad was a federal attorney his entire career. And he's from Mississippi and he went to Ole Miss. And like the show, when it when I first started, I think it aired on like Tuesday, Wednesday morning, I would always get a call from my dad going, sweetheart, you know, that's not how it works. That's illegal. I'm like, dad, I still don't write the show. Like he drove him insane. I was like, I don't write the show, dad. And he's like, you should have done X, Y. I'm like, I got, I thank you, dad. But I like, I still, once again, I don't write. He's like, can you see? I'm like, no, they don't care. And like, that's the one thing people don't realize too, that all the dialogue, especially on network shows, it, every word of it has gone through the legal department of the network. And then especially when you're playing a lawyer, you cannot even add like an S to the end of a word. You must recite that text verbatim. There's no ad-libbing. There's no improv. There's no anything. So um, every word you've ever seen me say is exactly, exactly how it was written. And um, But yeah, other, other lawyers... Lawyers kind of loved it. It's really funny. Pictures of me are used to advertise law firms all over the world, which I think is hilarious. Um, people always send them to me. It's just, it's, it's very funny. Uh, all my, everyone, so I have tons of friends that are lawyers and cause they were all like in law school when I was starting SVU, right? Cause that's about the age, you know? And it was so funny. I helped so many of my friends study for the bar. Uh, I never would have passed it cause I would, never get any question right and and most of them are like hr lawyers corporate lawyers m a you know that kind of thing so everyone would call me for for like a good 15 years if anyone had a criminal law question um they would call me so even this was one of the funniest things that ever happened my stand-in on ncis her husband was the head of one of the biggest extras casting places in la and they'd been visiting new york had dinner with them and all kinds of nice stuff. And I knew they were leaving in a couple of days. And when they were leaving, I get this call at two in the morning. She's like, Oh my gosh, I won't say his name. She's like, he's been arrested at the airport. What's going to happen. And I was like, what, what's happening? I'm like, okay, okay. He had a, he packed a taser in his bag to come to New York from LA. Like it's that different in danger, but whatever. And, and, and she was asking me and I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. He's going to be taken to an arraignment court here. He's going to be taken like, so it was funny that I could answer, you know, all that stuff. And, and so even my lawyer friends would call and ask me if they had a criminal law question, which I always thought like, this is shady. You guys should have better resources than me. <laughs> now, now, why did you leave SVU? Was it a mutual thing? Did you get written out or what happened? Because I know. Oh, I, I, I did not know I was going to be let go. I found out by reading the tabloids um, in the makeup chair one day that I was leaving to go do comedy, which was a shock to me. So, um, yeah, no, I, I would have stayed forever. And, uh, yeah, I was not happy about that. And it was done really poorly and really unkindly. And, um, yeah, I will leave the reasons up to your imagination. But uh, you know how it is. It's like, yeah, they just, the you know, yeah. It, so it wasn't my choice. So now, it wasn't my choice. Now, so where do you go mentally during that? Because as you said, it's a great time. And, and it's one of those things when you get blindsided, and that happens a lot. People go, yeah. I, know, I know people who've gotten fired at table reads. Like, what the yeah. hell? You know, uh, yeah. Kathleen Rose Perkins in Rules of Engagement. Right. At the table read. And you're like, what the, what, what you know. Right. And I, and I still had to go to work for like months. And people loved like your knowing. character too. That's the thing also. It wasn't like people like, oh yeah, she's a dick. You know, like they, they liked yeah, you. And I, 
and I wasn't allowed to say anything about it publicly, like, which was the worst. So like the worst is like, like once it was, and so I had to go to work every day and um, someone there had a very big hand in it and uh, had to work with this person every day who would tell me things like, it's going to be great for you. And I'm like, really getting fired is great. Like losing my income, you know, I, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Dickwad. Um, but you got to suck it up. And then, you know, once I was gone, like every, cause you know, you're recognized everywhere you go. Everyone was like, why would you leave? That's so stupid. And I can't say about it. Like it wasn't my fucking job. It's like, you just want to tell people like, of course I'm not an idiot. Of course I wouldn't have left, you know, it had nothing to do with me. And you can't say any of it. And it's so frustrating. And, and the crew, I loved the crew so much and they were really not happy. Uh, they were really not happy about it. And so, they, you know, they would do, they were hilarious. Every day they would check in, you know, someone from the crew would like call me and be like, when they, when the season started again without me, they're like, we love you. We miss you so much. And, you know, someone was like, you know, this, this so-and-so was trying to sit in your chair. You know, one of the teams is like, I'm bringing the chair to your house. No one's putting their pear mark on your chair. I'm like, thanks, man. You know, like it was, um, yeah. I mean, the one nice thing, the, the, it's like I got to pick a lot of the people who were in my last episode. Um, so I, you know, my favorite person to go up against as a defense attorney was Viola Davis. So they brought, and this is not when she, you know, no one knew who Viola Davis was. And um, Viola was my favorite. So they brought Viola back. They brought, uh, it was, it was great. My favorite judge, my favorite director, you know, my, they, that, that was, fun i got to say goodbye to a lot of the people i loved but oh it even makes me like verklempt now thinking about it yeah i never would have left like i loved it i loved my job and then like my second season they built that courtroom for me they never had a courtroom set before i was there and then after my first season they're like oh she can actually say the words and we can actually do a lot of courtroom so like let's build a courtroom for her and they bought me the night court set isn't that awesome that's awesome and and it was just like, we called it like, so everyone, especially that was like my age, we called it the room of requirement, which is like a Harry Potter thing, which is, it's, it's everything you need it to be. And, and because, um, you know, a lot of the more in, intense people wouldn't be there when we were shooting courtroom, you know, it was always like when it was my set, it was always like this is a place where everybody's loved. This is supposed to be fun. We're not curing cancer. You know what I mean? Nobody get, if we, they were, if we got pissy, I bring my light. I had these like custom lightsabers because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And like, we keep them on set. So if there was ever like conflict, we're like between like departments or something, we'd make, we turn off all the lights off on set for like five minutes and just have a lightsaber fight between departments. You know, like just, it was so much fun. Like it, it was, it was like the most fun that you can have. You know, it was, as a human being, it was like where everything is about as good as it gets. So yeah, I, I didn't want it to end at all. And then, and then it was really hard too, because, uh, you know, people ask you questions about like, Oh, do you like the new TA? And then like even actors who were auditioning for my part, um, would call me cause they didn't know that I didn't choose to leave. So I'm like having to give advice to the, you know, to people who are taking, you know, might take my job. It was, it was, it was awful. It was awful. It was truly like like the mo one of the most depressing periods of my life. So how'd you rebound? You just, I mean, what, did you, I mean, it's got to be depressing. I mean, I know, luckily, you were, you know, you had a long run. 
So financially, you're okay. Yeah. And did you, I mean, and then you rebounded, you know, and you were also on The Following, which I love that show. And, that was uh, fun. And CIS. But um, what was it like for you? I mean, did you just sit there and say, I'm getting back on the horse, or did you take some time off? You know, I took, um, I started going, that's when I actually started going to Harvard, which was crazy. Uh because I was like, you know what? Let me let me finish my degree and let me let my brain fill up a little bit more. Because this is it gets it gets a little frustrating. And then you know, I had to spend a lot more time. I had actually, until NCIS, I'd never worked a day in LA, ever, ever. That was like the first set I'd ever been on in LA was NCIS, and that shoots in Santa Clarita, like way in the right. like it's not even like. I, was, I think it was like I was I was a hand model in NCIS. No I way, actually, that's awesome. They have, I had to go up and they had an apple. I sat and then the second unit. I sat on an apple box and I did the take one finger and two fingers pushing a button on the bottom. And I have no idea why they used me, but it it gave okay, me a voucher awesome. and I was just like cracking up. And when they came on, I posted it on Facebook. I'm like, hey guys, my hand is on the number one show in the world. <laughs> Do you know what the hilarious thing is? It's like when I started SBU, you know how like you get handed the pictures of dead bodies, right? For the over the shoulder shot. Listen, I couldn't understand why like none of the other actors, like, you know, you hand them the picture, this and that. Nobody would take it because no one wanted to stay around for the insert shots. <laughs> like, so if you watch those early episodes, I'm trying to hand folders to people, hand pictures, and nobody would say they just walk away. because <laughs> nobody wanted to stay. It was like the funny things you learn, you know, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it was, it used to crack me up. But like, it, it just, it took a while to like, and then like guest starring on a lot of other shows and seeing, because, you know, my only real experience was, was years in this, this, uh, this Jersey swamp and, and the dynamics that were there. And it has, you know, obviously incredibly serious subject matter and stuff. And um, so it, it, so everyone can be very, very intense, which is not usually my thing. So it was, it was really fun to start to branch out. So like at, being on those years on SVU was like baptism by fire, and everything since then has been easier. <laughs> like everything since then has been easier, and and it was funny. So like NCIS ended up being one of those places. I, it it was such a different. It was such a different thing. Um, Mark Harmon was one of the nicest, friendliest. He was like a man after my own heart. Like he ate with the crew every day. You know, his trailer was always like the door was open and he sat outside in case anyone wanted to talk to him about he anything. He had that dog, that dog that hit his dog. Got that dog, right? It's got, you know, it was, um, I could take my dog. My, my dogs were banned on set of SVU from it by another actor. By the way, dogs are like this big. And by the way, not because they did anything wrong, just this person didn't like dogs. And so it was so much fun. You know, I could take I could take my dogs to set. And it it went from doing like 10 pages of very steady dialogue, legal dialogue where you can't change a word, <clears throat> to you know, I played the female Mark Harmon, which is way less words, almost none, and you know, just a lot of squinting. <laughs> and, and and uh and almost everyone was my age. So like Brian Dietzen, uh, Sean Murray, Cody DePablo, and I are all born the same week. 
And so, you know, like it, it was, it was such a different vibe being around like people your own age and so funny. And like Polly Perrette and I are still really good buddies, you know, and Cody became one of my best friends. And you know, like it was, and the, and the difference in the days, because it's a different style of shooting and stuff too, right? So, you know, we would, SVU, you know, the longest I ever filmed on SVU was 22 hours. Um, I think the longest I ever filmed on NCIS was 13, maybe tops. And that was a weird day. And it was like, we went over, oh my gosh, everyone's freaking out. And you could have a life, you know, when you were doing these other shows, it was crazy. And, and it was, and it was so much uh, more lighthearted, especially too, because it's not like, and like, I know better, like, I'm not stupid. Like NCIS is not high art. You know, it's not like you got to know what it is too, and not be like afraid of it. And, and that's the thing. Like I was never looking for high art. I was just looking, I loved working and I loved having fun and being with people and all the NCISs really was like, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy fun. You get to chase bad guys and kick doors and I'm strapped with guns, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, which is every liberal's fantasy. Cause you want to, they're fun to play with, you know, right. <laughs> like, like they're really fun to play with. So, and then, and then, yeah, getting to do like, like getting to work with like Kevin Bacon, that was, that was amazing. Like on the following, he was like another guy after my own, like totally normal and like nice and like knew none of it was real and didn't, didn't feel like superior to other people. Cause previously I'd worked with a lot of people who felt like generally like I'm, you know, like I'm a star, you know, and, and don't look in my eyes and, you know, don't come anywhere near me, and, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and then being with like people who are really famous, you know, and they're totally cool, you know, and totally normal. And we'd have days like, remember just one day on the following, like, um, and if anyone hasn't watched it, so I play an FBI agent, but I'm secretly an actual serial killer. And, and so Kevin Bacon's like my partner, but I get shot in the chest and he's like stopping the bleeding. And, you know, we're, and so we take a break and it was hilarious. Cause like, I'm just laying on a floor and he's sitting on the floor next to me and people bring us food. And I'm like, this is the greatest job in, but he's like, isn't it though? I'm like, we're just sitting on a floor and laying on a floor and people bring us food. Like it doesn't get any better. So I never understood, like, you know, when you meet cranky actors, you know, people that are just perpetually jerky on sets and stuff. Like, and I, I never understood it because, you know, everyone has bad days, right? That's fine. Like I've had a bad day, you know, on sets because usually something else is going on in life, whatever. Right. But Overall, it is the most fun job in the universe. You're playing dress up. People are paying you insane amounts of money to play dress up, have fun, hang out with like, and, and people do everything for you. You know, like, like you could say like, you know, I really feel like some red lobster. They're like, okay, we'll send a PA out. What would you, what would you like? You know, like it's amazing. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's as good as life gets. It's, and the stakes, like, the stakes in reality are so low, you know, you aren't fighting a war, you know, as Michael Weatherly, who's like one of my favorite human beings alive. He's like, we're not really kissing the girl. We're not really solving the crime. We're not really chasing the bad. He's like, the stakes are very, very low. I'm like, it's true. It's true. And it, it's, um, there's never, like, I get, I get so excited. On, this is my problem. It's like, I have trouble, especially like, Especially some days, like on NCS New Orleans and stuff, they'll be like, hey, man, you're going to jump out of this chopper, you're going to land on this boat, then you're going to jump to the other boat, and then you're going to run after this guy, and then you're going to hit that guy with a pistol. And I'm just like, can I smile the whole time? Because I don't know if I can wipe it off my face. <laughs> like, like, this, is, this is too good. Like, it's too good. 
And then my stunt people would always be really mad because they I'm like, oh, your job is to play with my dog. Like, <laughs> my job is to go have fun. Like, these are the moments I live for. We're blowing something up. Let's go. It was, it was great. Now, what's the future hold for you? Are you are you going to start acting again? Are you going to concentrate on comedy, the podcast? Because you're doing a lot of stuff. And, and as you know, comedy... You know, comedy does take a lot of time because you do really have to do the grind. I mean, when I started out, I would be in Philly a few nights. I mean, there oh, was yeah. a lot yeah. of clubs. And then when I got on the road, you know, I mean, I remember driving back from a shit gig in, in on the border of Iowa and Ohio or somewhere weird or Indiana, uh, Indiana and Ohio yeah. and driving. But then when I drove like nine hours and I would still go to the open mic when I got back because we were just like, it was... I was also 23 or yeah. 24, so it's in your mind frame. Oh, my God, when people, we had so much energy. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people don't yeah. get that, you know. There is really, I mean, that's why, you know, you see guys like, you know, Keith Robinson's an old friend. He's still hitting the, all the, the shows. Yeah. And these people, all the New York guys are constantly hitting, you know, two, three shows. What are, what are you going to concentrate on now? Well, you know, um, I don't, like, no one is hiring me for acting. So it's not. it's not like it's. Not for lack of trying. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I guess every actor has those periods where, like, they're just, yeah, yeah, we're not into her. Um, so mostly just sticking with the comedy for now because it's really fun and it makes me laugh and I love watching other comics. And and even though it is, it's, it's really tough and it, it's it's a grind a lot of the time. That's a good way to put it. It's, at least it's a community, you know what I mean? And you feel like you're doing something. And and it can help you hone a bunch of skills that you may not have had. So that's that's so mostly uh, I'm focusing on the comedy, but that's just because that's the way things shake out. And the funny thing is, like, I don't mind being honest about this stuff, too. You know, like, I'm not, I, I, I've never understood those people who want to, like, pretend everything's amazing. Like, I have so many things ahead, you know, like, this is so great. I'm doing this and I'm doing that because there's, everyone should know that you know life doesn't work that way and the business doesn't work that way and that even when you've had moments of like insane success you can still be totally unhirable for a while right, right? like you know like, and and you have so little control over it it's it's not something that you know you can't hire yourself you can try and make your own work and do things so like i um filmed like a comedy special you know what i mean which is great but, you know, you had to, my partner and I had to, like, self-fund it and do this out. We're, you know, putting it up on Amazon Prime. And you can make your own work. But that's, you know, that's hard, too. And it's not like, so you just kind of have to ride these waves and not take these too personally, too. Like, you can't take, like, all all the fame and stuff personally. And you can't take any of this personally, either. Well, there you go. See, that's a great yeah. way to end the interview. You were very honest. <laughs> I always like someone to enter because you know years ago I would I loved Letterman and he'd always say all you need is yeah. three good stories, and that's why I love with guests that do a lot of things because I always say as as an interviewer people don't listen to me they listen to the guests so you have the perfect ending and now now tell everyone where can we find your special? Uh, you can find my special. You can go to dianeal You can find it if you go on my link tree on my Twitter, my Instagram, and my bio. It's there. And uh, in a week or two, it should be up on Amazon Prime, which will be really fun. Cool. Well, people go yeah. check her out. And she, she tweets a lot. Uh, Diane Neal. Because she's <laughs> Diane Neal, at Diane Neal on Twitter. 
Um, go to my Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. You can also follow me on Instagram, Cooper Talk One. Go to my website, CooperTalk.net. You can find over 900 episodes or email me at Cooper at CooperTalk.net. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget to drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.